This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston. Bonus, my 2021 recap. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Hi there, my friends. I'm so excited to be behind the mic again, recording a podcast for you. It's been a hot second since I've sat down and had a solo episode. If you've been listening to the show, you know we've been doing episodes for my old podcast, Life Lovers Radio, as I've taken a much needed break. And even before I took that hiatus, I recorded some episodes like a long time ago that we had just had ready to go. So it's been months now since I've sat down and felt like I've had something to say. And I'll get into all the details of what I felt like for a while and why it was so hard to record podcasts and all of the things. But before we jump into all that, I just want to say, first off, thank you for listening to this episode because I am just going to be unfiltered today. I'm just going to say all the things in the way that I would say it if you were truly a friend and you were sitting across from me and we were having lunch and I felt really safe and comfortable with you. So some things that come out of my mouth may be a little bit, I don't know, jarring maybe or um, maybe even offensive because some of the words I use sometimes I know can be offensive to some people. And so just, you know, open your heart and your mind to giving me space to just talking about me and my life and um, me unfiltered. And as I always say, take what you love and leave the rest. I know there are certain podcasts I listen to where they refer to everybody as guys and it drives me effing crazy. It's like, I'm not a guy. I'm a woman, (laughs) even people I love. And so I just have to shift that every time they say those things. So again, I may use some words today that are offensive to you. Take what you love, leave the rest. Also, I just want to commend you for showing up to this episode. It's an episode where you may not think, oh, am I going to get any learning lessons out of this because it's not focused on XYZ topic. And I think you're going to get more from this episode today than you would from many of my other episodes because I'm going to talk again so openly and authentically about my life that I think you're going to really see where maybe you aren't as open in your life and aren't as authentic. And you're going to hear about different things that I've done that have worked for me and things that maybe haven't worked for me. And two, just hearing me kind of own all of my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, as I always say, is a powerful energy to be in. And so I hope it sparks so much in you to make even more changes in your life and to own even more of your authentic power. All right, so I have a lot I'm going to cover today. I have a feeling this episode is going to be pretty long. And I must admit, I've gone 
around with so many thoughts the past few weeks of what I want to say and what I don't want to say and how I want to word certain things because this isn't just my story. It's the stories of those I'm in contact with. And there are times when their privacy is important. And that's the only thing I'm really going to filter here is if it involves somebody else and their privacy. And I'll let you know that I'll say, I wish I could get into more details, but you know, I need to keep the privacy of that person involved. Um, But otherwise, yeah, again, you ready for this? You ready to hear all the things about my life? I mean, my God, isn't it so refreshing sometimes for someone to just be fully open and honest? And again, I promise you I'm going to be all of those things with you. All right, so here's why I'd love to start this whole story of my year of going back to about this time last year. So December 2020, at this point, I had just hired Casey Joy, who you may have heard on the podcast um, as my embodiment coach. And Casey had actually been a former client of mine. And she was actually my living the dream program at the time. And as I was coaching her, I would see her tap into her body and listen to her body a lot. And um, I thought, I want some of that in my life. And I really trust Casey and obviously have a great relationship with her. And so I hired her. And I said, I want you to kind of teach me these things that you're learning because she was getting some different coaching certifications. And um, we started coaching together and tapping into my body. Yeah, it it was such a beautiful experience. I could feel differences right away in my body, like I was healing um, this ongoing kind of neck tension that I had within just one or two sessions of going back to some moments in my life and where that tension started and working through that. Also just feeling my feelings more. One of my former clients, her husband actually passed away at the end of 2020 and I was able to attend his funeral virtually. As I'm sitting there watching the funeral, I just allowed myself to lean into the sadness that I felt for her. Um, And I cried harder than I think I've cried in a very, very long time. And also just hearing stories about how she showed up for him during the last few years of his life and realizing that I made some sort of impact in her life to be able to do that just felt so powerful. And I was able to lean on Casey to say, how have I done this? Like, I still view myself in many ways like this little girl. And how am I this leader in the world that's impacting people? And I feel like that manifested where the rest of the year went of like me taking in, I am this powerful woman now. It's time for me to own my power and own that I'm a leader. And um, so many things came up along the way that showed me what I needed to heal to be that woman. So at this point now, it's early January, and um, if you're in the U.S., you probably remember, I forget what day it was, I think it was January 8th, but the Capitol takeover with some of Trump's supporters after that had happened. I know I've told this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it, but um, after that happened, my then social media manager came to me and she said, Lindsay, are you going to make a comment on your social about what's happened? And I was like, oh, you're handing the mic to me? Like you know, I need to make a comment about this thing. And so I sat down one night and I really thought, okay, what is it that I want to say here? And I said something along the lines of, you know, I know it's hard to have family members or friends or just to see people who openly support Trump. 
I know it's been something I've really worked through with my clients um, and where I've come to it in essence is finding love and light for these people, even though, you know, they can drive us crazy. And I felt like that post was really me like coming out of my shell, like me making some sort of political statement was big because I was coming out saying like, hey, listen, I don't support Trump um, at all. <laughs> and But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and demonize people in the process. Kind of sharing like I've had to do a ton of mindset work to get to that place of not demonizing them. And initially, it got really great feedback, that post. Even some of my clients of color commented on it or sent me a message. And they were like, oh, yeah, Lindsay, this is a great message. I ended up posting it kind of late at night, went to bed. And then I woke up the next day and some women of color who didn't really know me started to call me out and started to say how I was tone policing and how could I say these things when, you know, the Capitol takeover, there were some just blatantly, horribly racist things that were done. And at first I was defensive. And I was like, you don't know me. Like, how dare you come up in my space and do all this stuff? But within maybe even like 24 hours, I started to open myself up to how could they be right? How could I be in the wrong here for doing what I'm doing? And at the time, I had been doing a couple years of what I call DEI or anti-racism work just by like reading posts and articles and picking up books here and there and doing the intellectual work. But um, as I started to sit there and think about what they had said, I thought, oh my God, I'm tone policing. And I had this huge aha and shift of, Lindsay, you may intellectually know some of the work that you want to do in the world, especially around DEI and anti-racism, but you haven't embodied the work. Like you haven't really dug in deep because you're not being challenged to. Anytime something's getting uncomfortable, your brain is going to naturally pull away from that because that's what brains do. You need a coach here to really hold your hand through this and to challenge you and to lean into this because this isn't okay. You want to be somebody who leaves a legacy that was fighting for change and equality and was deeply anti-racism or an anti-racist, right? And I wasn't that. And so I saw the gap, right? And so from there, I took immediate action and I started posting in the communities that I'm involved in of tell me where can I find an anti-racism coach? And I was introduced to Alyssa Hall, who you now know is my coach if you've listened closely to the show because we did an episode together. So I hired her right away. And um, her and I started working together every single week alongside Casey. So I'd meet with Casey one time a week and meet with Alyssa one time a week. And we were doing similar work, believe it or not. It was a lot of me shedding layers of society's beliefs and in that, like embodying, you know, some trauma that I had experienced, big chi or little chi trauma, you know, if you don't know the difference between the two, we talk big chi traumas like, you know, abuse and war and kind of those things we typically think of trauma as. But little chi trauma is anytime you're talking out of your truth, you feel uncomfortable, things of that sort. And so a lot of us are experiencing little chi trauma all of the time, especially if we're looking at it from an anti-racist or DEI lens, you know, as being a white woman, it's like, yeah, I realized in that process of working with Alyssa of how much little t trauma I was experiencing every single day and had experienced as a woman. And as I was taking that into my own journey, then I was able to embody and really think through, okay, how does this feel as a black woman, as an Asian woman, a Hispanic woman, and so on and so forth, right? And in that process too of doing that work, we started to touch on ableism. And 
as I started to learn more about it and really think through it and embody it, I realized in that of, holy shit, I've experienced ableism my entire life. All of these feelings of feeling weird and different and like I wasn't quite like everybody else, that was me saying like there's something off here and I didn't quite know what it was. Now, I must admit in my story about third grade, uh, my teacher pulled my parents aside and said, listen, there, there's some maybe some sort of learning disability with Lindsay here. At the time, I wasn't turning in my work like I said I would. Um, there was just, I, I was lying even. Like there was just some weird things that started happening around the third grade. And my parents didn't test me for anything. They kind of, you know, were looking at it from a lens of more focus and discipline. And I remember they developed all these systems for me to really be on top of things. Um, And so then from there, I just kind of stuffed this weird differentness that I felt and just learned to work harder at stuff. And so I started to unpack that and to really take that in of, okay, why is it that I have to work harder than everybody else? And at the same time, I'm also starting to get these messages about my daughter, who at the time was 10, she's now 11, and looking at her from a lens of, oh my gosh, I think she has ADHD. And just observing her and taking in more things around me. And then I initially thought, well, she's she's gotten it from her dad because her dad is definitely has ADHD, undiagnosed, but he definitely has many, many of the qualities of it. And then as I started to set even more, I was like, no, I have ADHD. This is what this is. Um, and I started to just sit in that and experience that. And it's so interesting with the DEI training is that it it wasn't really a system. It was like I would just come every week to Alyssa with what I needed to coach on. And it was just this very natural process of me going through all these different areas of life and going to her and saying, okay, like today we're going to talk about the diet industry and how it's impacted me. And let's like really unpack this. Because again, I'm a big believer that as a healer in the world and a coach or, you know, whatever you want to call me, I have to do the work that I'm asking my clients to do, not only from an integrity perspective, but from a place of I need to feel like what it feels like to do this because then I can hold the space for my clients and I can guide them toward the other side of this. Because if I don't know what this is potentially, then I, I won't know where to take them. Now, I know I could change my thought on that. I mean, there are many coaches out there that say, oh, you don't need to experience what your clients experience. And I get all of that. But I just, I really feel like to be integrity with my work, I need to go in and feel this stuff. So again, I'm going through all these areas of life and I'm still just taking in this ADHD thing. And two, I'm starting to see more and more the sexism that I'm experiencing, especially in my marriage. And it's not like I can even put words around it yet. It's just this feeling of like this little like agitation often of like, uh, 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 is how I describe it. And feeling like, oh, there's something off here. Like that's bullshit. Or I don't like the way that this is happening. And so it starts to just bubble up inside of me. Um, And because of that, my marriage started to feel really, really hard. And I must admit, my marriage has felt hard since about like 2019. Um, Around that time, my husband and I hired a couples coach because there were just 
some arguments we would keep having over and over again. And I would get really frustrated with him and he would get frustrated with me. And I felt like we weren't getting anywhere. So we hired this marriage coach. We worked with her for a little bit. We got some ahas from it, but I just didn't feel like she was our person to um, really heal what needed to happen. I didn't quite feel safe with her. Um, so anyways, we didn't work with her long. And then of course the pandemic hits in early 2020 when we were ending up with her anyway. And so our focus shifted to, you know, our kids and basically survival and getting through work with kids and all of that. So it really wasn't until, um, you know, this year in 2021 that we were really looking at our marriage again, just putting together like, what is off here? Why is it that we're feeling really stuck? right? So all of this is going down throughout the year, but let me kind of backtrack to with where my business is at. So at this point, still we're in early 2021. So in 2020 in my business, things exploded. Like I finally like owned who I am in the world in a lot of ways. I changed my coaching package and my pricing And I got my business to a place where it made around 100K in 2020. Um, And that was a place that I wish I would have done many, many years ago um, because I just kind of spun for a while and, you know, again, really wanted to heal people. But in the process of that really wasn't helping myself. It was way undercharging and all the things. So 2020 was a beautiful year. And based on the momentum that I had in 2020, 2021 was predicted to be where we weren't going to double the revenue. It was going to like quadruple. So it was going to go to about from 100K to almost like 500K. And I felt like, okay, you know, I've been doing this for months now. Like this is where it's going to go in 2021. So when 2021 starts in January, you know, I've just hired Alyssa. I'm getting in a groove working with Casey and um, my son is still home. 24 seven, except for one day a week, he goes to my parents' house. And so I have this one weekday a week to work during the day. And then I'm working at nights and I'm working on Sundays. And truth be told, my calendar was really full. But for whatever reason, I thought, okay, we're still going to, you know, close a certain amount of clients. We close every month and it'll be good to go. So in January, I ended up closing one client instead of my normal three-ish. And I thought, no problem. Like, that's okay. It actually works out well this way no big deal. February comes around. From what I remember, I don't think I closed any clients that month and I wasn't even getting consults really. Again, I was like, no problem. This is actually great. At this time too, my son transitioned into a two day a week program because I was just getting to a point of like, I've got to have more time. You know, if I want to bring on more clients, I need at least another day per week and just feeling really overwhelmed with having a then two-year-olds that's high energy at home all the time. So again, February, I was like, no problem. We're going to transition to this. No big deal. March, I believe I close one or two clients. So I'm like, okay, yeah, we're picking back up here. No big deal. And the clients I closed, I was like, man, whoo, they are awesome. Like they're like my, like, dream clients, right? And then April comes around and I have a lot of consults and I'm getting a lot of, you know, energy coming back into the business. And um, what's happening too, as I'm doing my work with Alyssa and Casey at the same time is we're starting to tap into who does best working with me. Like, what are the qualities of my most successful clients and who is it that I enjoy working with the most? 
Because what's interesting about doing the DEI work is a lot of people think, oh, you're wanting to open the door more and invite more people in. And no, that's not it at all. Is that we get really fine-tuned and detailed and specific about who it is that um, I work with best, as I said. And then we look at it from a lens of, okay, what would that client look like as a black woman, as a Hispanic woman, and so on and so forth, right? And what's her journey to get to you so that you can start to speak in your copy to those different forms of women. And again, I know some people are like, oh, what do you think? All black women are the same or all white women are the same? No, it's just, it's just the generalization, right? Of like, what is it typically that this woman has to go through to get to me? And again, this is exercises led by Alyssa that were so beautifully done. So at this time, you know, I'm taking in of like, okay, who works best with me? What are their qualities? And as I'm having these consults in April, I'm getting on the phone with these women and I'm like, oh, these aren't my ideal clients. And I get into this pickle of, oh man, but I'd really love to close these clients, right? But at the same time, it's like, but I know these aren't gonna be my rock stars. Like it's very clear now to me who works best with me and these aren't it. And so um, from what I remember, it was all or most of those consults ended up being a no, that we did not move forward. Then at this point, it's May. And um, in May, you know, kids typically here in the States, they start transitioning into summer. You know, May feels like it was a blur. <laughs> like there's no big takeaways from May that I remember. And then we're transitioning into summer. And summer, my son started going to a five-day-a-week program that his his now school. But what's tricky about summers, you may know this if you're a mom, is like many times it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have class these weeks, but then we're off these weeks because he doesn't go to a traditional daycare. He goes more to a school. So I was getting some additional time to work that wasn't on nights and weekends, but I just felt really deeply tired and I needed that time to recharge. It was like my body was finally out of this survival mode in a lot of ways. And it was like, Lindsay, I'm exhausted and I need rest. And so I listened to that and I thought, okay, we're going to go to Hawaii here in a few weeks. We're going for two weeks. It's the first time I've ever had a two-week vacation. We're going, we're going to see family there. They're going to be able to watch the kids and give me some time and space to recharge, right? And Hawaii is just beautiful. I mean, who doesn't recharge in Hawaii, right? So we get to Hawaii and... Um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's lovely. It's it's amazing. And um, at the same time, I'm still just very deeply tired. And also at this time, I'm with my husband's family. So his brother, sister-in-law, their kids, and then my mother-in-law and her husband. And um, I'm observing everybody as I typically do in my world. I'm a coach, right? I sit around and observe people. And I'm observing how my husband's brother lives and they're just really laid back and they're really just like easy breezy. And, you know, and in my home with my husband, a big thing in our marriage for a while has been what I consider some of his OCD habits. Just very, what I consider again, uptight about some different things um, to a point where it's caused some tension 
for sure in our marriage. Um, and as I'm there at their home and they've got these beautiful knives and they keep these doors open and they're just so easy with the food and, you know, sometimes bugs get in, but it's no big deal. We're at our house. That would be a very big deal. Our doors would always be closed. Um, food has to be deeply cleaned <laughs> when we eat and all these things. And I just was able to take in, I see what I'm missing out on. I see just how hard this is to live with somebody who, again, I believe has some OCD habits. And um, because, too, I'd been doing the embodiment work, I was able to go deep into the sadness of it. Whereas before, I would probably have rationalized it, done my mindset work, and been like, okay, Lindsay, just kind of, you know, continue to shift your thoughts and let's call it a day. But instead, I leaned into that. And I shared that with my husband and I started to just get very open with him and also at the same time, very boundaried with him of, listen, I'm not going to live this way anymore. Like, this isn't okay. Um, Do you see the difference in how they live? Like, I'm not going to live the rest of my life on pins and needles in essence. And we got in some pretty big discussions in Hawaii. Um, It seemed like every time we had a free moment alone with one another, instead of being able to enjoy our beautiful beachfront room, it was us having these kind of heated discussions um, about things and seeing too that we were just so burnt out. And, you know, when we had these moments alone, we weren't even like sexual with each other. It was just kind of like, you know, oh, hey, there's my wife and there's my husband. And again, I was just taking in the deep sadness of that of like, wow, where are we in this marriage? Um, And of course, you could rationalize it of like, yeah, Lindsay, you had had a baby in 2018. And you know, the first two years are tricky. And then COVID hits. And yeah, I get all that. But also at the same time, I was like, this is something deeper here. There are things that are off here. And I need to feel through this, right? So Hawaii wasn't as recharging as I thought it would be. I thought I would come back and be like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, let's go in 100 miles an hour. And granted, I did feel recharged and it was a beautiful trip in so many ways. It um, just didn't give me what I thought it would. And so we come back and, you know, we still got summer going on. I'm still, you know, doing some things at work. I'm signing clients here and there, but again, not at the pace that I thought and um, just recharging as much as possible. And so then it gets to August. Both of my kids are back in school full time. And I'm in this mindset of like, great, my kids are back in school full time. Like I've had some summer to do some recharging. Like now let's go full force. And I could not go full force for the life of me. Could not make it work whatsoever. Instead, I just felt deeply, deeply burned out. I thought the summer was going to recharge me and it did a little bit, but instead there were some things that happened over the summer too that I need to get to. One of which was I had my first in-person client event for my Living the Dream client. So in case you're new around here, you can work with me right now in this one-on-one nine-month process. And after that's done, I invite a certain number of clients into my Living the Dream mastermind and they get ongoing coaching in there. So again, I'm meeting these clients in person for the first time. For much of the year, we didn't think the live event was going to happen because of COVID. But of course, you know, as you know, the the vaccine picked up and all the things, right? So this event is happening. And um, I'm realizing like how nervous I am 
to meet many of these clients. And there's an excitement with it too, right? Of like, but just taking in again of my power of like, I'm going to be in this room with these women who I have known many of them for many years and I have helped in many various ways. And they're going to be right in front of me looking at me and I'm going to be leading this room, right? And so there was a lot of mindset work with that. And also in that, knowing that I was going to be changing the structure of that Living the Dream program because last year it was a beta program. And so I didn't really know what it was. I invited whoever really wanted to come into that. It was a very low cost. And um, at the end of the year was like, okay, here's kind of the standards of being in this group and here's this new cost. And I knew that cost for some of them was going to be a really big jump And it was going to maybe be even a little bit jarring to them. And I kind of warned them about it. But I was nervous. And I was also already starting to take in like some of these women who I love may not come back. And they may not come back because of the cost. But I can't continue to undercharge at the level I was undercharging. I mean, I wasn't even making money off of the Living the Dream group last year especially with the amount of time I spent on it. And so, um, yeah, I was just feeling through all of that of, okay, like it felt like the end of a season for a a lot of things. Like it's the end of Lindsay undercharging for things. It's the end of Lindsay, you know, in essence, taking on some clients who just weren't really what my most successful clients are anymore and letting them go. Even though I love them deeply, like it's just not working anymore. And so I had to feel through that. And so most of August too was me mourning um, the loss of some clients who were leaving and also taking in that because that was a time when living the dream was over and the new year was about to start of just how draining that past year had been and seeing the full effect of taking on some clients who weren't my ideal clients clients. And, um, you know, again, like Alyssa had been coaching me on this of like, Lindsay, you're going to realize that those who aren't your ideal clients, they're costing you way more than you saying no to their money on a consult. Right. And I was taking that in of like, yeah. And I was taking that in with some one-on-one clients too of, um, yeah, when I say yes to clients who again, aren't the ideal, it's, it's just, it's too hard. It's too hard for me. And it goes against my core value of my business too, is that I want it to be one of the best investments of your life, if not the best by working with me. And um, again, just like taking that in of, of letting them go. And I know that may seem like, wow, Lindsay, you really needed that time to do that. But I did. I, I really needed that time to feel through things. And again, as I'm working with Casey and I'm feeling on such a deeper level of things, it felt like one of the first times in my life I allowed myself just to slow down and mourn and to just give myself permission to do that instead of perform, 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 right? And so it was such a win and a beauty in that. And so again, even though there's this part of me that's like close more one-on-one clients because the Living the Dream launch was awesome. It was beautiful. Like I got what I wanted out of it. My goal, I closed the women who I felt like were the right fit for it to a point where even I was like, holy shit, like how did I do this? Like I feel like I'm in a room with them that are my soul sisters. Like they're meant to be here. I'm meant to be their coach. Like we're meant to do this together. And I was just in awe of myself in a sense of like, wow, it gets to be this good. Like it gets to be this amazing, right? And so, yeah, I'm just taking that in and um, 
again, like thinking, okay, at some point I'm going to pick up the energy and things are going to get easier. And they just didn't. And uh, from what I remember, it was around September that I just had kind of this come to Jesus with myself of like, Lindsay, you're burnt out. Like you need time to rest and reflect. You're trying to show up and do certain things in your business. It's just not working. Um, And so just allow yourself to rest, like let go of some of the goals that you have and just listen to what you're needing most right now. And so from there, I started to really look at the numbers of my business and realized I need to let some things go. I need to let some vendors go. I need to cut some people's hours. Um, I need to adjust some things and just really allow myself this time. And that's when I decided to of, okay, I'm going to take time off the podcast because it just felt so hard to show up and to record. My head would hurt. I was really out of it and fuzzy. Um, and it, to be honest with you, it was really kind of scary of like, wow, I can't just do mindset work to get myself out of this. I can't just generate discipline or focus right now. And at this time too, I'm starting to take in, I really need to figure out if I truly have ADHD. And my daughter starts fifth grade. And as she starts fifth grade, um, it doesn't go very well for her. She's typically been a very good student to a point where she tests in like the 97th percentile. Um, and, you know, she makes like straight A's and it's no big deal. But as the years have gone on, it's gotten harder for her. And I really saw that transition happen for her in third grade as it did for me, which I've heard is very typical. And fourth grade, we kind of manage well because, again, too, like we were thinking about school, but also thinking about COVID, right? So it wasn't like academics were the main focus. But fifth grade, they were really turning things up a notch. And her teachers were coming to me and saying, Lindsay, her, my daughter's name's Izzy, Izzy needs help. She needs help. Um, and I was just at a point where I was like, I know she needs help. And I'm so used to showing up and being like all-star mom. And I just can't do it right now. And what I started to label this time in my life of like August and September was kind of telling everybody, I'm having a goddamn moment. Like, give me a goddamn moment. I'm trying to pick myself up. I'm trying to like make things work and show up as the Lindsay that I know everyone needs right now, but I just can't do it. And and that process too of like, I want to go get my daughter tested for ADHD, but I'm also just somebody that is very hesitant to go to any doctor and just them slap on a label of something and prescribe a medication without them deeply testing and looking at the things they need to look at to properly diagnose somebody and give them some sort of medication. That to me feels like a very big deal because, you know, just the little things that I've taken in my life of just like medications here or there for different things, you know, even just antibiotics and birth control, it feels like it's just half-assly handed out. There's been times I've had side effects on things and it pisses me off. It's like, this is not okay. Like this is a big decision that you're doing here and you're treating it like it's nothing. And so I was reminded of Dr. Daniel Amen, who I had heard speak, gosh, years ago at a success magazine event in Dallas. And he was talking about how he used brain scans to, you know, determine different ailments in people. And one of the big things that he had actually done was he had scanned the brains of NFL players at one point and went to the NFL and said, look at what 
look at what football has done to their brain. You need to take responsibility here and you need to make changes. And with that, the NFL started to make changes. And he also started to take those football players, give them certain supplements and exercises and different things. And he was able to show via the brain scans how their brain healed. Not only just what was changing their life, but he had this data. And I knew I always wanted to get a brain scan just for my own interest and love of all things brains. Um, And I knew I wanted it to be where he was local. And I didn't realize that he had actually opened a clinic in the Dallas area just a couple months prior to uh, me starting to have an interest in brain scans again. So when I found he was in Dallas and I'm starting to have this moment where I just can't focus or have energy for the life of me, as I kept saying, having a goddamn moment. And I'm realizing, okay, I think I have ADHD. I think my daughter does. I decide to invest in getting brain scans. And the process just takes a couple of weeks between getting the scans and getting in to see the doctor to analyze your scans. And so from what I remember, I started the scan process in, um, I think it was late September, mid to late September that I had signed up. Early October, I get my scans and then they couldn't get me in to see the doctor until November 15th. And so I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for these scans to arrive and these things to do. And as you know, I'm like pulling away from things at work with the podcast and just kind of putting out to the universe, like, just bring me the clients you're meant to bring me there. I had a goal of like, let me close 10 one-on-one clients by the end of the year. And once I set that goal, I got five clients like immediately. And almost to a point where I was like, whew, okay, I don't know if I can take on any more right now. Because not only do I have those five that I closed, I have some others, you know, that I've closed throughout the year. And then I have my group clients. And my group it has more one-on-one um, things that are going on with it and, you know, just onboarding them really well and things of that sort. So I just felt, even though my calendar wasn't fully booked out, like I felt like energetically I was booked out. Because I was also spending time during this time doing a lot of energy healing work, right? So I would go see a chiropractor who you may know from the show. Her name's Tori Hartline. She was actually a client of mine or she is a client of mine. So she's in Dallas and um, I'd go see her to do some chiropractic work, which I had never done before. And it's, oh my gosh, so amazing. I want her to come on the show and talk all the things about it. It was so, it's been so lovely. I went to a sound meditation class every week to just lay there and you know, be healed by the sounds. I was doing these brain scans, as I said. I was also showing up to coaching every week. And throughout this entire year, I got coached every single week for the most part by Casey. There was even a point in the summertime of the year we were coaching twice a week because again, you remember if you go back to my stories, like in the summer, I was like, come on, Lindsay, pick it up, pick it up. And I thought, okay, I'll just add more coaching here to like pick up my energy. And even with twice a week, it was just not doing it. And then for most of the year, I was coaching with Liz every week. And then I was in a program where you would get a 20 minute session with a coach. So there was a point in time this year when I was getting coached three and a half hours every single week. Crazy, right? (laughs) So again, even though my calendar wasn't full, it was full because of I was filling it with things to recharge me and to heal me in that process. So going back to the brain scans, I sign up for these brain scans and get them done. And then I'm waiting, waiting, waiting for the doctor to sit me down and tell me the results. And in this process too, I'm still just in a place where as I did said before, I'm having a goddamn moment, which really goes back to me taking in and mourning the life I could have had, had I been diagnosed earlier with ADHD. And again, at this point, I don't officially have a diagnosis, 
but I'm pretty certain that that's what it is. And I'm just learning more about ADHD and watching my daughter go through her struggles and feeling like almost like I'm losing her, especially her intelligence, because again, she's highly intelligent, but she's just not able to access her intelligence because of energy and focus issues. And I'm just feeling like I'm re-experiencing my childhood through her. And again, like all these people in her world are like, come on, just more energy and discipline and focus and come on, you can do it. And it's a laziness issue and it's a parenting issue and it's that. And I'm like, people, it's not those things like God, you know, and just like feeling the weight of that and the sadness of that and, you know, the the inner struggles you develop and the confidence issues you develop because of that of like what's wrong with me why can't I just do this and oh I really want to hit these goals and I really want to be successful but I just can't right it's like feeling like you're in quicksand a little bit like oh my god I just want to like get through this and I can't and so I'm feeling through all of that and again I'm like patiently waiting for this appointment to happen so I go into my appointment to analyze my brain scans And he sits me down and we start going through my scans and he starts telling me all these different things. And they had me take some online assessments as well, testing like how likely you are to have ADHD based on some tests they give you and how likely you are to have anxiety and depression. And so he's like, well, just based on this test alone, not even look at the brain scans, like you definitely probably have ADD. And I also want to just present to you that you're really good at managing anxiety and you have really little anxiety. And I said, listen, that's not true. I said, I actually have a lot of anxiety, but this past year I've focused in on learning how to manage my anxiety because I was able to see fully just how much anxiety I had. And so I just want you to know that, that in this test, it shows that I'm really good at managing it and I am, but I have a lot and I've again, all year been spending this time of like, why do I have this anxiety? It's not going away. And he's like, okay, got it. Then we get to the depression stuff. And he's like, well, I just want you to know that you are flagged as somebody who may have a depression or has depression symptoms. And I was like, well, the day that I took that, I was having a really hard day. I want to let you know, I recently got my IUD removed. And so in that process, it's just felt really, really hard. My body's been adjusting in that. Um, And he's like, okay, I hear you. But I also want to just offer to you, Lindsay, like, if this is a bad day for you, then your bad days are, in essence, like badder days than what could be normal. And so I'm just like sitting there and I'm listening and I'm taking that in and I'm like, I'm agreeing with him of like, okay, yeah. And so then we start going through the brain scans and all I keep hearing as he's talking, I ended up recording the conversation, thank God, but is your temporal lobe. Your temporal lobe is overactive, your temporal lobe. And as somebody who works with the ego or the amygdala or what we call the inner mean girl, it's all the same thing. I'm like all up in the temporal lobe, right? I'm like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yes, of course. This is why I've done all the work in the world that I do with inner mean girls and egos and all that stuff. Like, And, you know, he describes the temporal lobe as like a temper. And so my brain just gets really hyper-focused in on, oh my gosh, I have anger. And I knew that because many times when I get upset, that's the first emotion I'll turn to is boop. Oh yeah, anger. Like that feels comfortable for me. That feels powerful for me. And I'm very aware of it. But so when he's talking again, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's all stuff I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Temporal lobe. Yeah, yeah. So I walk out of that appointment and I heard I have temporal ADHD. So then they give me all this paperwork and in it, because temporal ADHD is an ADHD that's not on the DSM, 
four or five, what are we on this, these days on the DSM? So um, the diagnosis they give me is just, um, I think it was ADHD inattentive. So that then I could take that form and reimburse with my insurance and so on and so forth. So I don't fully get like what my actual ADD type is. Because again, just a side note for you, Dr. Amen is like, listen, there are way more ADHD and he uses ADHD and ADD like back and forth. So excuse me if you, you're like, Lindsay, which one is it? They're really the same thing, according to Dr. Amen. He's like, there's really more types of ADD here, um, according to brain scans. But, you know, the world of psychology hasn't caught up with that. So anyways, I walk out of that thinking I have temporal ADD and I go home and they have this book they have me read and I'm reading about temporal lobe and I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm one bad decision away from like really losing my shit. Because if you read about temporal ADD, they have extreme anger in some situations to a point where, you know, they can do some some harmful and damaging things. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is this is like inside of me. Like this is where I could go to. And I'm like processing with Casey and some other people. And they're like, well, just thank God that you found coaching. Like this is where you could have been had you not found coaching. And I took that in. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like that's what it is. Yeah. But at the same time, I had also heard the depression stuff in there. So when I'm going and I'm telling my parents about you know, hey, I've been getting these brain scans, just want to let you know, I have this thing called temporal ADHD. And um, here's what it means. And I felt like my parents dismissed it right away of like, you don't, that's not really it. Like, that's not really helpful. My mom and even said, well, isn't this just you? Like, why would you want to diminish who you are kind of thing? And I wrote back and I said, Mom, I'm severely depressed. I need help. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm just saying that so I can get her off my back and get her to like kind of, I knew what I needed to say for her to shut up and like actually believe that, you know, there was something wrong here and I needed help beyond focus and discipline. And that's what kind of shifted the conversation. And I remember talking to my husband and saying, babe, I just, I can't believe I have some depression symptoms. I just can't believe it. Would you, but it all makes sense. Right. And so I had these like logical conversations, but again, it was like, I didn't fully embody it. (laughs) So I'm walking around saying I have temporal ADD. And then just this week, I'm preparing for my next session Um, with my doctor about my brain scan. So it's like a month later and I'm listening back to our conversation just to ensure that like there wasn't anything that I missed in that and that I don't have new questions that have come up. And in it many times he said, you have limbic ADHD, limbic ADHD. And I'm sitting there like, holy shit, I have been in denial. Like my brain so badly did not want me to accept that I have these depression symptoms that it walked away saying, oh, let's just say we have temporal ADHD and that we're angry. And so as I'm starting to read about limbic ADHD, I was like, yes, this is it to a T. And so basically limbic ADHD in a nutshell is that these depression symptoms is what's causing you to have an attention and lack of focus and lack of energy. And um, it lists some specific things that I've, I'm experiencing every single one of them. Um, and so I just sat there and I was taking in of like, wow, my brain really did not want to take in these depression symptoms. And I think too, you know, I've talked about this in the ADHD episode that I had a few weeks back with Chelsea as our guest. Um, you know, many times we view these certain ailments and we're like, okay, ADHD, it's like boys jumping off the walls. When I think of depression, Many times I think of somebody who can't get out of bed. They feel helpless and hopeless. 
And I don't feel that way. Like I can get myself out of bed. I love certain aspects of my life. I um, don't feel helpless and hopeless. Like I'm constantly, you know, thinking how can I help myself here and doing these things. But if we look at it from a lens of lack of focus, lack of energy, not feeling almost like fully alive. um, Again, there's some other symptoms listed there. I was like, holy shit this is what this is. And that's where, again, as the year has gone on, I'm like, I'm doing all the things. I'm showing up for the coaching. I even started monitoring my sleep of like, I'm getting enough sleep and the quality of sleep that I'm getting is really good. Like, why is it that I'm not able to feel the way that I want to feel? It was like the coaching just wasn't as powerful at that time. And again, too, like I realized this past year and my word and phrase of the year was joy integration and really taking in how great my life is. And I had been doing that all year of like, wow, Lindsay, you've like got the family you always wanted and you have the career you wanted and you have these team of people and your business that you've always wanted and like all of these aspects of different things and you're becoming the woman you wanted to be. And I was like, well, why don't I feel like it? Like I can sit here and I can do the mindset work sometimes and I can feel like little glimmers of it, but why can't I fully embody this? What is the problem? And now I know it was like this, this overactive limbic system in my brain. And if you read deeper into the limbic system, yes, it can be genetic. And I do think there's a genetic aspect of that. I do think, um, I was handed some trauma in my epigenetics to make an overactive limbic system. Because if you look back on my life, even when I was a little girl, I was happy, but I would also have these dark periods. And I remember as young as two years old, sitting in my bed and crying and having suicidal thoughts and thinking, what's the point? I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Yeah. It's like my whole life I've experienced this. So if you're experiencing this your whole life, how do you know what life is like without it, right? I was just like, this has been an, um, uh, just a recent discovery, right? This week as I've wrapped up with the brain scans of like, this is limbic ADHD. And um, to tell you too, so in my treatment program with that, they had me starting to take supplements right away. One of which is called Brain Power Max, which is just the, what they give almost everybody to help heal their brains if they have any kind of ailment. Like this is what they gave the NFL players, right? Um, so I started taking that and they started to give me, um, in essence, like an anti-anxiety vitamin. And I'm telling you, within 24 hours of taking those vitamins, I felt like a different person. I woke up and I was like, okay, is this a placebo effect? Because I feel significantly different. I just had so much more energy. I had focus. I could do all the things I wanted to do. Um, it the way I describe it is like before I had all these clouds in the sky of my mind and I was constantly doing mindset work to like get the clouds out of the sky, right? And so that's why I would have these moments where I could go and I could do something like, you know, have a coaching call or do something around the house and then I would have to rest because then it was like, okay, whew, okay, all right, I've done this thing, but you weren't managing your mind during that time, Lindsay. So all these new clouds have come in. And so you've got to go like get these clouds out. And so it was just a lot of work. And that's the other thing too, I realized this past year was like, why am I doing mindset work all the time? Like this can't be normal. It can't be normal to have to sit around and do this much mindset work because I could see other people living their lives and not doing that work and having successful, happy lives, right? And so I'm so glad I listened to that and I didn't like dismiss it or make it wrong, but I leaned into that, right? So on these supplements, just as I said, within 24 hours, it was like these clouds started to go away. Now, as I've been on these supplements now for a month, we've added another one for mood management in there um, and I've just started taking that one. 
Um, because as I can tell with my cycle, so the cycle of my period, um, you know, I still have my ebbs and flows. Like the first two weeks of taking these supplements, I was actually in the part of my cycle that I typically feel the best in. And then the next two weeks I felt like I still felt better, but I still wasn't like as high energy and as much focus. And so it's not like, you know, magically my whole life is perfect and everything's great. I'm still going to have ebbs and flows. But what's so cool about it is like my brain isn't overactive anymore. I'm not just sitting here thinking these negative thoughts. And that was something else they presented to me with some of the brain scans and the the testing that I did was like, Lindsay, you have more negative thoughts than the average person. At first I was dismissive. <laughs> I must admit it was like, no, no, no. I've done so much mindset work. I don't have that many negative thoughts. And the doctor kept guiding me back. Even this week I was like, I just really don't think. And I finally soaked it in this week of like, okay, Lindsay, your brain isn't just here to keep you safe and secure. Like that's what I kind of dismissed it as before of like, oh yeah, every brain has negative thoughts. But hearing like your brain is more negative than the average person allowed me to just be like, oh, okay. All right, that's okay. Then I'm just gonna do deeper work here. Um, and being able to take that in. And, and I think it's so funny because so many people see me in this light of me being on the podcast and me coaching and being like, yeah, Lindsay's so positive and she's so driven and such a go-getter and she's so in her element. And I think many of my clients saw that when they came to my live event as I have moments of that, right? And luckily with these supplements, now I have more of these moments where again, it's just like authentic Lindsay. Like, yes, she's here. She's rocking it. And she can like share all the lessons and the messages. But then there are times that I aren't like that and I'm recharging. And again, at the live events, when they saw me for you know those two or three days they saw me, they saw me in periods where I was deeply, deeply recharging between teaching and having dinner and stuff like that. And I think it was jarring to a lot of them and um, taking that in. And so I just want to share that with you because... Um, yeah, I again, so many people can think, oh yeah, Lindsay's got it all together and like it's all perfect and all that stuff. And yeah, I have really hard moments and really dark moments. And as I even took in this past year and especially this past month of doing these brain scans and such, it's like I've had a lot of suicidal thoughts for a very long time, a very long time. And it's not like I was even intentionally trying to dismiss them. They just became normal to me. When I would have hard days, I would have those thoughts of like, why am I living? I don't want to do this. What's the point? Um, and I would manage myself through that. And there were some days when it was just like, this is too hard. And I would want to sleep through the entire day, in essence, to escape what felt like really, really dark clouds in my mind. And so just taking that in and realizing that of like, this is the darkness that's inside of me sometimes. And just honoring that, making peace with that. And accepting that. And in that process, I think it's made me such a better person. It's making me such a better coach. Um, because now I can go even more into the darkness with people. Now, of course, you're like, Lindsay, are you going to try and like coach people who are suicidal? No. I mean, but I think it's great that we can acknowledge that. That sometimes we might have suicidal thoughts. And I'm in that with you. I have those moments. And I know now like what it fully is without trying to dismiss it or deny it or accept that it's you know quote unquote normal even though it is normal but you know what I'm saying like oh no big deal it's like okay yeah it's here like let's recognize it let's let's bring this forth let's look at this yeah I really say that this past year has been my time to embrace my darkness 
And in that too, it's so funny as you do DEI and anti-racism work, one of the first things Alyssa had me do is take um, a workshop by someone named Monique Milton. And Monique, if you know her, she's very blunt in the way that she says things, um, especially when it comes to anti-racism work. And one thing she said in that workshop was, you know, so many white people are so afraid of being called a racist. But the worst thing that can actually happen is to experience racism. So basically, like, get over it kind of thing. And I realized, too, and just in that of, like, accepting, like, yeah, we all have our darkness be it racism because we all we're just in a society that's racist it just is it is what it is nobody wants it to be here or most people don't want it to be here but we need to recognize we need to acknowledge that in this because so many times we're programmed with some things that we don't even want to have we don't want these things inside of us but we do right and so recognizing that recognizing my own mental health things that come up for me seeing aspects of my marriage that have been really hard and in that process too I've kind of skipped over this but as I'm going through you know in the summer as I said we're in Hawaii like really holding a mirror up to my husband and being like hey these these quote unquote OCD behaviors are not okay like I'm not going to tolerate this anymore Um, and then as I started in the fall to really feel through on a deeper level what gender bias is and how I experience it with him of getting really upset um and it's not like it's my finest moments and I would say yeah everyone go get upset with your partners or go get upset with men the way I did because there were times when it was just like how would I describe it like it was just eating away at me in these little ways and I was just trying to intellectualize it like what what am I feeling here what what am I experiencing to a point where one time I was talking to him and he was talking over me and I was like talking again and finally I just got up I remember I had a blanket on me. I slammed the blanket down and I just screamed at the top of my lungs, shut up. And then I was like, shut the fuck up. Like finally I could fully see mansplaining and being talked over. And I went into the next room. Luckily my kids are gone. Otherwise I don't think I would have felt safe to express like this. I went in the other room and I just started raging. And I was like, screaming at the top of my lungs and getting this energy out of me that had been built up inside of me for what felt like a lifetime, but especially this past year, and just getting out all the things that I was upset about, especially in our marriage and kind of back up even more too. We had hit a really big financial milestone this past year. It was a milestone that whenever I had met my husband, gosh, in the first few dates, if not even the first date, because we had a very open first date of just like, here I am, here's my stuff. He had told me, I want to be a millionaire. Like, I've wanted to be a millionaire ever since I was a little kid. He's a wealth manager. So he does this for people all day long. Like, I always joke with him. I'm like, you make the rich richer, right? And this is his magic. That's what he does in the world. It's his zone of genius. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And yet I could see how he wasn't showing up for his own goal and dream and doing this while showing up for everybody else. So by the time we get married, I'm, you know, the coach in me, this is my zone of genius, is somebody tells me a goal. I can see very clearly and easily what are the things that need to shift in their mindset for them to go out and get this goal, right? And so I'm seeing that he is overgiving and he puts himself last. He's an Enneagram one wing two. So, you know, twos, they don't like to put their needs first. So I got very clear with him when we got married because he started to get in this victim mindset sometimes too with it. We're like, well, we have all these bills and we have that. I was like, uh-uh, nope. I was like, whatever you want to save every single month, that is your that is our number one priority. So you pull that out and then we will live around everything else. 
Okay. That's what we're going to start doing. And there were times he would like try and self-sabotage and I would guide him back. And here's the thing in my marriage too, is that from the very start, it was very clear. I don't want to be coached. And anytime I would start asking questions or really trying to dig deep in some of the things in his mindset, it would, he would shut down in essence, be like, I don't want to be coached. And so too, as I'm starting to process this past year of gender bias and things of that sort, um, I'm like, you know what? That's fucking bullshit that he gets to come in our marriage and he gets to express his zone of genius by managing our money and by, you know, doing long-term financial planning. And I trust him in that. And I let him do his thing. But yet, I don't get to express my zone of genius. And I was like, that's such fucked up shit. Again, I was like, I was enraged. Like, this is gender bias. And my husband would tell you he's a feminist all day long. And that's the problem with a lot of people who are feminists and or they say I'm anti-racist. And this is where, you know, a lot of the anti-racism coaches are like, those are the people I want to work with. They're the people who say they're anti-racist, but they haven't really done the work. And that's what I consider my husband as a feminist is like, you say you're a feminist, but you haven't done the work. And this is how it's showing up in our marriage. And so I started to reflect that to him. I'm like, that's bullshit, Jason. Like, that's not okay. And it really came out when we hit this financial goal. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've hit this goal. Like, how does it feel? And he was diminishing it. Like, well, it's not really, you know, exactly, you know, I want the, all the money to be in this certain area. And I'm like, stop, stop diminishing it. Like, you've hit the goal. Like, we've done it. And I said, what do you have to say? And like, he couldn't take in the joy of it. Um, and also at the same time too, I asked him, I was like, this was later down the road. I said, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And let's talk about like how we hit the school together. And he was extremely hesitant to do so. And I was like, why are you hesitant? And he had some reasons, right? Of like, he didn't want people to know like how much money we have and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I was like, okay, I get you on that. And also I said, well, do you see... Um, my role in this because I see that I've been able to coach you to this place or really support you in this. He's like, whoa, well, like you've been a great cheerleader, Lindsay, kind of thing. But like, that's it. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and I, again, lost it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you, would you call a man a cheerleader? I was like, I haven't been sitting here just rah-rah cheering you on. I have been making strategic, and I've had to do it behind the scenes moves because you don't want to quote unquote be coached to get you, to help get you to this place. Yeah, you're the one that showed up. You're the one that made it happen. But there were so many times that you were going to self-sabotage yourself that I guided you back. And again, I just want to throw something random out here. This is why sometimes too, when people coach with me, they're like, oh my God, yeah, I've done all my goals. So great. And they don't realize some of the behind the scenes kind of strategic, almost like sly, but sly in a beautiful way, not in a slimy way of like sly ways that I've talked them out of self-sabotaging. And then when they stop coaching with me, they're like, holy shit, why the fuck am I not doing anything? I was like, yeah, because I've been sitting here like strategically guiding you to this place. Right. And and I just want to own that for a minute and brag on that. Like, that is what I fucking do in the world. Like, that is who the fuck I am. Is I can see exactly what you want. You tell me what you want. And I will guide you there. And it will seem 
many times like this beautiful dance we do together and you won't even fucking know what I'm doing to fully get you there. Sometimes you will. You will understand and I will call it out and be like, hey, this needs to happen or this needs to change. But there are times it's just so seamless and so beautiful. Kind of reminds me of like many times when I see professional tennis players play. I'm like, yeah, tennis, so great. I want to go do that. And then when I go out and play tennis, I'm like, this is really hard. (laughs) Like they make it look so easy, right? Like that is what I do in the world. And again, it was so deeply saddening to me in that of like, okay, you're not honoring me. You're not seeing me for my full self. Like you don't even know who the fuck I am in this world. There were so many coaching sessions this past year around my marriage with Casey. I mean, I would say maybe half my coaching sessions, maybe a third, I don't know, somewhere in that. So many times I would go to Casey and be like, I just don't know if I can do this marriage anymore. I don't know if I can do it. I just don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. I feel biased against. And it kind of came to a head too at the same time I was having my live event that week. You know, I was just slowly starting to own my power more and more. And that was something else that had happened this past year as I was as I was fine tuning of who do I work with the bus. I was also fine tuning what is it that I really do here. And I've shared that on a previous podcast is like what I help women do is, yeah, they accomplish their dreams. They feel better than ever. But I help them own their power. Like I help them know deeply who they authentically are so that they can go out and do whatever the fuck they want in the world and like own themselves in that. Right. And so in that, you know, every time you kind of set something, especially if you're um, a healer in the world, you're like, yeah, this is what I do for people. All your shit comes up of how you're not doing it. And so that's what came up for me is like, okay, Lindsay, you own your power. Like, well, here in your marriage, you're not. And here over here, you're not. So show the fuck up. Right. So in this, as I'm saying, it's like bubbling inside of me and coming together. It kind of came out the week of the live event with my clients. And I went to my husband and I started to share more things that were going on in the business. And one thing I shared was, I'm going to have this podcast guest on and she's going to talk about authentic marriages. And actually she's in an open marriage. So her and her husband like are on board with that. And that's what they've decided as what is authentic them. And he lost it. He was like, you cannot have her on the podcast. That's what you're promoting and that's what you're supporting. And is that what you want in our marriage? And there had been a comment I had made in the past of something along the lines of like, well, if you're not going to date me, then I'm going to go find somebody who will. And so I want permission to go date other people. And he, his brain just viewed that as very traumatic, which I understand it wasn't the kindest thing to say. But also in that, like he was deeply, deeply triggered by it. So I have this live event going on. I also have something going on in my business that had never happened before. I had my very first unhappy client to a point where she had opened up, um, what do they call it? Like disputes with the credit card of like wanting her payments back. And so I'm like dealing with this and the stress of that, right? Because again, she was one of those clients where, you know, it was like, okay, I can make this work. And I did make it work. And I, I will stand a hundred percent behind her results. I know when I give somebody great results and I gave that woman great results, but she didn't feel that way. Right. And so to each their own, she's allowed to feel however she wants. And I'm not going to bash her in that, but it was stressful is what I want to say. Like I was under immense stress with that. And in that too, he's triggered. And so this week when I feel like I'm almost going into this lion's den, even though it was beautiful and I love my live, live event, don't my clients think you're lions. That's just how it felt. Like I was out in the world and I wanted him there with me and he wasn't. So the week after this live event, him and I ended up going to Mexico. It was a work trip that he had had, but we got to go together and it was our first alone trip together in many, many years. 
And so on this trip, I can't even open my jaw. Like my jaw is having so much immense pain to a point where I can't even eat. And I'm a big believer in Louise Hay's work of You Can Heal Your Life, or I think it's called Heal Your Body, Heal Your Your Life. And it's all about how our minds causes body ailments. And so anytime I'm having a body ailment, I turn to that book and I'm like, okay, what's going on here that I need to heal? Because it's just worked for me many times. I've healed so many ailments by looking at that book and realizing what needs to go on my mind. I'm not diminishing Western medicine people. I don't want anyone coming back and being like, you know, what is she saying here? I'm just saying it's really important that we look at ourselves when ailments come up and don't just go pop a pill or go look at a doctor. Like we do the work as well. Anyways, I'm looking at the jaw stuff. Um, and it was around being muted, right? And like not be feeling like I can fully express myself. No surprise, right? So we're in Mexico. I'm having this jaw pain. And I'm like, great, this is great. So finally we have this moment where I sit him down in essence. And I say, you know, I know last week that you were triggered by me wanting to bring on that podcast guest. And then I honored you and I let that guest go um, yeah, out of respect for our marriage, even though I really didn't want to. Like I ended up choosing the marriage over this podcast guest. But I want you to realize in that, that you were deeply triggered by that. And I needed you in that week. That week was very important to me and you weren't there. And he's like, yeah, but you know, it's my trauma and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, your trauma is your trauma. You're allowed to have your trauma. You're allowed to have your feelings. Absolutely. But what's not allowed to happen anymore is that you dump your trauma on me and make it my fault that you have that trauma. And it was a huge light bulb moment for him. And it was a huge light bulb moment for me of like, holy shit, Lindsay, you just like owned your power in a whole new way. Because again, as you start to realize gender bias, I'm starting to, as I say, bow up of like, how am I not owning my power? I'm starting to slow down and really listen to my body. It was like this beautiful little message just came out of it. And in that too, of realizing like, I do a shit ton of emotional labor in this relationship and I'm done. And I told him and it came out after many weeks after that, because we had many more ups and downs in the fall to a point where, again, many times we were like, I think we're just going to have to get a divorce. Like, it's just not going to work out Um, because I just didn't feel heard. I didn't feel listened to. He would get really stubborn in some of his approaches and too, and I wouldn't handle things properly. Like I was just learning to really feel my emotions deeply. And so, you know, if we go back to the moment where I'm raging, like that's not a way to be healthy and solve arguments when you're running off in a room and raging um, and saying, you know, some things in the room of like, I hate you, (laughs) you know? Um, So there was, you know, we didn't show the best we did, but in that of really holding the boundary that I have been holding very minimally now for seven years with him of you need to hire a coach you need to hire a coach you need to hire a coach and finally it got to a point of where we were like okay we're getting a divorce like this is done that then um he was like I'm gonna hire a coach and I was like great Casey so beautifully hooked me up with somebody that she thought would be a great fit great male for him he started coaching And I will tell you um, on Friday, so I'm recording this episode on a Sunday, so just two days ago, he's had his first sessions and um, he was telling me about how a session went. I said, well, what were your takeaways? And he's like, well, we had this takeaway and I won't give all the stuff away because that's his story. But I want to say this is that he had these moments where he's starting to recognize how his trauma is coming up in our marriage and how he's showing up in our marriage. And I sat there and I was like... I am so glad I own my power in this. I am so glad I held my boundary in this. 
because now he's finally doing some of the emotional labor in this relationship of like going deep, looking at patterns of behavior, changing patterns of behavior. Because if you're with somebody, and again, this is my experience, who doesn't do that work and you're doing it all, oh my, it's like, it's fucking exhausting. I see it happen with clients all the time. They're like, oh my God, like my partner, they're just doing da-da-da or my mom or whoever, right? It's a lot. Um, And there are times, you know, we do the mindset work with it and blah, blah, blah. And I just, again, got to a place where like, I can't do this anymore. You have to pick up some of the pieces here. And in that too, in his own coaching, he saw, you know, oh, well, this is Lindy's stuff that she's working through. And he saw it on a deeper level. And he's like, when I show up in this way, then it's going to show you even more of the work you need to do. And I'm like, absolutely. Yes, that's it. So it's just been a really beautiful thing. And in that too, as I've been studying more about ADHD and going through my own process, you know, I realized this past year too, not only do I have officially have ADHD, my daughter, who I believe has ADHD in this bubble of our house, my son is three. So he's just, you know, three-year-old energy, but I bet you in time, it'll be obvious he has ADHD. And I also think my husband has ADHD and I think he has a form of ADHD that Dr. Amen calls, I believe anxious ADD. I think that's what it's called or overactive where it comes from um, typically parents of alcoholics um, and they have a lot of OCD habits in that. And I can tell too, especially when we were in Hawaii, he didn't quite have his systems in place. And there was a lot of like, where are my keys? Where is this? Where is that? And like this really kind of ADD type behaviors. Again, I'm taking in, I'm having a lot of compassion with him of like, okay, Like, and now that I'm kind of out of this, what I felt like this (laughs) kind of like dark place too of like feeling really stuck. And now that I've had these supplements and I'm like, whoo, okay, I've got clarity and focus and all these things. I'm seeing where he's at and I'm like, oh my God, poor baby. (laughs) Like he, he needs some help too. Right. And so, um, I, I say that not to like put him down of like, oh, he's a baby, but I have just so much compassion for him. And, um, now it's like his year to really do some deep work and for me to hold space in that. And, um, now too, again, I've done such deep work, so it's easier for me to do that. But I will say, you know, we've had some really hard few months in our marriage. Um, the hardest I think we're actually in the fall when we were like, okay, we just can't do this anymore. Um, to now it's like, you know, we had his work party on Friday and, you know, we could see many of the other couples that were there, how they had this like underlying resentment with one another or these other feelings going on and we were just so in sync and so together and so open and we had this hotel room together and he was helping me in essence do some things to heal some of my trauma and it's just so beautiful that he's kind of opened himself up to that world and he can be in that space with me and I feel like um this past year too, I got really clear on what it is that I wanted in my marriage. And there are many things that I have in my marriage that I've always wanted, but I presented him with a list of like, here's the next level for me. Can you be this person? If that, if not, that's, that's okay. And I love you so much, but then we need to let this go because this is what I desire and, um, I'm going to get it. And again, I like really own myself in that. Um, Even though I felt very scared and I had all the moments of like, oh my God, what am I doing? Because I do feel like our marriage is good. You know, even though I say sometimes like, oh yeah, we're going to divorce. And that's what made me feel almost so stupid and silly in it. It's like, am I going to give up this good marriage and like regret it? Because what I envision is this great marriage, is this like out of this world marriage. And it's not in a way of like me being unrealistic 
it's being in a way of, I know it's possible because I, cre- I create what I want to happen in the world. I've done it with my job. I did it with the first time manifesting him of like, I believe I can have this and I've just up leveled. And that's what we're supposed to do in this world is to grow and to change. And I just didn't see him growing and changing where I was evolving and I needed him to step up to the plate. And he has done that. (laughs) And even just a few weeks ago, I commended him and I was like, babe, like you are helping out this Christmas more than ever. I just want to acknowledge you. And um, we had like an ant problem briefly. And normally those kinds of things would just in essence, in my world, like it felt like he would take him over the edge, but he just handled it. So with peace and with ease, and he's really relaxed. And I said, you know, you've really worked on some of these quote unquote OCD habits. Um, and you're really seeing like how much I do around here and how you're helping me out. And I just really want to commend you in that. And those are things two years ago that felt really hard and you're progressing more than I thought. And I also said in that, I said, I hope you see that me calling these things out in you and in essence, you know, coaching you or helping you however you want to see it, being your wife, again, it's all the same in many ways. Um, I hope you see that that's for the betterment of you and it makes your life better. And he goes, oh, I don't need to dig down deep, Lindsay. Like I know, I know it's true. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, again, like he's recognizing me. He's fully seeing me. And it sounds so weird when I tell these stories too, because it does sound like, oh my God, he's such a misogynist and he doesn't acknowledge Lindsay. Like how the fuck did this happen? And, and he's just not, he's a normal guy. And most people would see him and be like, oh my God, Jason's so nice. And he's such a catch and he is. But I think that's what so many of us are dealing with are even the nice guys have, you know, things that they need to fucking work through. And that's why, again, when you do anti-racism work or what I call just like society layer work, you know, DEI work, I guess, too, is what you can call it. But um, you see that nobody really benefits from the system, even though white males tend to be at the top, especially, you know, white, Christian, straight, all the able, you know, able bodied, all that tend to be at the top. Um, they don't benefit from the system either. They're not able to like fully express their feelings and lean into discomfort more because they have to put on this persona of like being strong and tough. And again, my husband's more sensitive than the average man, but even him, it's hard because it goes against, again, so much of society's programming. And so, so many of us are putting up with this when you don't have to. And um, it's been so hard. And there's been so many times this year, I'm just like, I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. And I don't know if I can keep doing this. And again, that's, I think, where I was able to really pull out some of these suicidal thoughts of these days that just felt so hard. And especially with my daughter and feeling like she was losing her brain in essence and then and going back through my own trauma with that and how I've experienced that the past few years of knowing for so many years, like, I'm so intelligent and I'm so smart. And why can't I show this to the world? And I see that with so many of my clients now who are waking up to the potential that they have ADHD, right? And morning through that. And so again, I share all the story with you today. And I know this episode's a longer one than most, because I hope something I said today sparked something in you and opened up doors for you. You know, I, I wanted to cover so many things today. And I covered most of them. I'm sure as I hit stop on this episode soon, I'll have things I'm like, Oh, I didn't mention this, or I didn't mention that. But if I were to just recap this year in this past recap this past year, see, I'm already losing my, my train of thought here. Um, 
it was me embracing my darkness. You know, it's interesting because I said my word or phrase of the year was joy, integration, and taking in the joy. And what's so funny is that when we set words or phrases like that, we're like, yes, this is going to be rainbows and daisies. But what happens is that all the shit gets presented that needed to be let go of for you to fully embrace that goal or that way of being. And that was the truth for me was taking in my darkness and and it's interesting too because I've dyed my hair brown as many of you know if you follow me on Instagram like it's it's fully happened and I'm so glad I've done it um again this is a year that I'm not going to look back and be like yeah that year was fucking awesome but I'll be like holy shit that year was transformative like that was a year that sparked everything else that's going to happen in the next few years so for 2022 it's like this is going to be the year that um, we do scale to about half a million in revenue. And um, I'm entering a high-level mastermind with Julia Wells, who has been on the podcast a few times. And I've been wanting to work with Julia in this way for a while now. And I was scared, to be honest with you. I was scared what it would bring up for my marriage. And I was scared what it would bring up inside of me. But now I'm like, bring it on. Like you can't throw anything my way. Again, I've embraced my darkness. Um, You know, so many times when I was doing anti-racism coaching, I would tell Alyssa, I would say, I just have this energy now. Like, don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me. Um, And that's it because I just know my truth. I feel like the roots beneath me, like I'm the strong oak tree now. Anything you throw at me, because so many things did not go as planned this year. As I said, I didn't close the amount of business that I thought I would. I had some client things come up that had never, ever happened before. Um, You know, things in my marriage came up. I was called out on social media for some racism stuff. You know, I could go on and on of things that went this year. Um, And now it's just like, all right, what you got, world? What you got? (laughs) Like, I can handle it. I can stand up. I can do these things. So I'm so excited to work with Julia because part of that mastermind is to scale to um, all the way up to a million. So I will be in that for a while. And it's a small level mastermind, which is something I really wanted to do um, instead of being in kind of a bigger one, like what Stacey Bateman offers, who I had been following. And two, I'm just in a place where I'm really wanting to embrace more of my feminine energy. And so I've kind of stepped away from coaches and programs that are more in that masculine energy. I felt like I needed that for a while, but now my time is done for now there. And to embrace my feminine, and I'm going to do a lot around sexuality and loving my body in deeper levels and enjoying sex on deeper levels because now too I feel like I'm in a headspace. Whereas I said, I don't have as many dark clouds. Of course, I have hard days, but just really starting to take in some of the joys and the beauties of life. Um, I realized too in this process of these brain scans, they did this blood work of like testing all the things under the sun and I'm very low in vitamin D. So luckily part of my supplements include vitamin D, but I want to spend more time outside and going on bike rides and just being in the beautiful Texas sun that we tend to have most of the year. Um, Yeah. And I'm working on eating in different ways because I realized too, the more I eat a protein heavy diet, the better I feel. Um, It's not about like losing weight or the way that I look it's the way that I feel and what's really good for my brain and body and for me it's just eating smaller meals that are more protein centric Um, and so I want to explore food a little bit more and ways in which you know maybe I can meal prep a little more because that stuff just felt really hard to me in the past of like oh my gosh you know I've got all these things going on with the business and kids and then you want me to like meal prep and like the details of that It, it was like 
you know, again, when you have these goals and you just feel really stuck, that's how I felt for a lot of the year was like, oh man, but I want to make this money and I want to do these things, but I'm just feeling so stuck. And I just so fucking glad I kept sticking with it. And I kept investing in myself, even though it felt scary, like, oh my gosh, look at how much I'm investing in this and that and this other thing. And um, even at times the money wasn't there and just trusting the money would come. I tell that to clients all the time. I'm like, sometimes you have to invest before you're ready. And I know it feels really scary, but oh God, it just feels so good on the other side. It feels so good on the other side. So 2022 it's really my time to come out more and um, in the world and to launch a lot more. And we're probably going to be adding in some different programs. So it's not just one-on-one coaching in the mastermind to work with me anymore, but you can work in a group setting at a lower cost and we can have more people and we can help more um, women own their power and create authentic, beautiful lives for them. That feels amazing. So I'm so looking forward to that. The other thing that's big on my plate for 2022 is my daughter hasn't officially been diagnosed with ADHD. She's doing a program called Brain Balance, which I know has mixed reviews. Even one of her teachers came up to me the other day and was like, don't do Brain Balance. It doesn't work. But we're trying it. We're starting out there. She's doing some exercises there for the next few months. Um, And then hopefully I can convince her to go get a brain scan because there is some blood work involved and you know how little ones can be with that. Um, and then even just taking pills of taking supplements, um, can be tricky. So it's really helping her even she's starting to own it more in her own world. She's like 2022, I'm balancing my brain. I'm like, yeah, baby. So she's already improved so much just by me improving myself and me doing this and I can hold space for her and she's getting her own coaching um, and doing beautiful work and we're doing some things with her dad of setting boundaries there um, because I could talk a whole nother podcast about (laughs) shit going on over there Um, so just know there's even more shit that I can't fully talk about but yeah so there's there Um, also helping my husband as he likely gets brain scans as well and get some help and he's going to continue to do his own coaching with his coach still crazy that he has a coach it's so awesome um and my son he's going to be four this year and he's just in such a beautiful phase like he is just a kid that really embodies joy and he lives in joy and that was part of why this year I was like man he's such a cool kid and why can't I fully like feel this why can't I feel how happy he is. Like I could feel bursts of it, like I said, but there were just so many times I felt numb and this is what's going to bring on the tears, but there was just so many times I felt numb with fully feeling my children. And even my daughter, she would want to come and like lay on me and me to hold her. And it was just so hard to get touched sometimes. And that's part of limbic ADHD too. And, um, yeah, I'm just so glad I showed up for me. I'm so glad I, I showed up for them. I'm so glad I showed up for my husband, regardless of what happens in our marriage. Um, you know, what's interesting with me and Jason with that is like, even if we were to get a divorce and decide one day is like, okay, we're just not the right fit for another. Like, I love him so deeply and he's such a great person. Um, it wouldn't be like my first <laughs> marriage, like, oh my God, double life, like fucking crazy narcissist, which really, again, you know, is healing work for himself. He's not a horrible person either. He just has deep, deep trauma. But yeah, it's like... Um, yeah, I have such love in my life and I wanted to be able to feel that. And, um, I'm just so glad I showed up for myself. I'm so glad I own the fuck out of myself and I listened to myself and I invested in myself and I didn't get so consumed with like hitting the goal as I thought it would. Instead, just let the 
the goal unfold. And even this year, you know, it didn't happen the way I thought, especially financially with the business. We still doubled in revenue. We hit 200K. Um, you know, I didn't pull as much money as I wanted to profit-wise, but I pulled more money than I've ever pulled. So I think I pulled like 50K for myself, which I know many of you are like, holy shit, Lindsay, you're only paying yourself 50K. You have to realize too, my husband, he, he's a wealth manager. He does well. Like it's, this is never about the finances to me. Um, but there is a part of it too of like, okay, Lindsay, like own your fucking power in that area. And, and that's where again, I've hired Julia to really help me in that because you know, all of us have healers, all of us have coaches, all of us are stepping up our game. I can help you do that. I help women earn multiple six figures all the time. But when it's yourself, like you need your own shit looked at and challenged and held and loved on. And um, I'm excited to do that with Julia next year. I'll continue to coach with Casey. I'm actually in Alyssa's group program now for DEI work. And we just started that. So I'll be doing a couple more months at that, which has been really neat because as I go through the group program, um, it's like reiterating all the stuff I learned in 101. And so it's making me even more confident of like, yeah, I know my shit now. Like, oh yeah, I've like embodied this stuff and I'm excited to go share that with the world. Also, we've gotten a really far ahead on the podcast because this past month, as I've said, I've felt so much better and I'm very much in alignment of who I am now and what I want. And so I've been doing a ton of interviews for the show to a point where we have interviews all the way till August, I think at this point. Um, we're gonna be talking a lot about hormones and hormone imbalances because that was something I went through this year I didn't really touch on. Um, we're going to be talking about some deeper diversity work. I have Dr. Kristen Donnelly coming on who's a TED Talk speaker who's going to be talking about things, different healing modalities I've tried that weren't like my main healing modalities, um, but just some different things that I did like a past life regression, which was so powerful with Casey Joy. I did a um, RTT session with Madeline who you're going to learn about here in a few months. Um, um, human design I've been introduced to, which has been so interesting. And you've learned about Colby. That was something else I added to my, my world. We already did that podcast with Aaron Morgan, but yeah, just so many beautiful, beautiful things. I can't wait for 2022. I can't wait to share you with you all the things. January is going to continue to be, we're going to just play some of our favorite episodes from the show. And then February, when we hit our three year, my gosh, three-year anniversary of the show. I'm going to do a recap episode of my favorite moments from the year, and then you're going to get all new content. And as I said, it is fire. It's amazing. I cannot wait to share it with you. We're going through some rebranding right now. Oh, and on that front, <laughs> I've been meaning to announce this. My business name is changing. Now, legally, it will stay the same of Lindsay E. Preston Coaching, but my forward-facing name is going to be Lindsay Elizabeth. And the reason why I made that change is, again, as I went through this DEI work, I realized, like, why is it that my name is tied to who I'm married to or who I'm not married to? Men's names don't typically change. Um, because there were times, as I said this past year, where we were like, oh, my gosh, like, this isn't going to work. We're going to divorce. And part of what came up for me was, holy shit, like, I'm going to have to change all this in my business. and I'm going to have to do it really quick and all that. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I want to be known in the world as Lindsay Elizabeth. And really, deeply down, like, the name of my soul, my most authentic being is Elizabeth. And I've always felt that way. And so Casey's so beautiful in that. And when I tell her that, she calls me Elizabeth now. And so I say to people, my name is Lindsay Elizabeth. You know, obviously, Lindsay Elizabeth Preston still. But you can call me Lindsay Elizabeth. You can call me Lindsay. But people who know me most call me Elizabeth. <laughs> so you're welcome to call me Elizabeth or whatever you want. But that's where we're changing to. I already have the new logo made by my beautiful designer, Gabrielle. We're going to be sharing that on social and you'll be seeing it as we start to rebrand. And the rebrand is 
as many people who have seen it have said it's like, ooh, this is a more mature look. We're going into pinks and blacks and tans instead of these bright colors. Um, because I just felt like, again, I've evolved and the brand has evolved and it's time for something new. Even though we did just do a rebrand in 2020, but so much has changed as we all know in these past two years. And I want my brand to reflect that. So again, so happy to have you on this show. Thank you for listening to this very long episode today. I hope you had many takeaways and I will see you on the episodes next year in 2022. Bye, my friend. Hey there, Miss Unstoppable. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Send them a picture of this episode via text, via email, share it on social media. I'm sure they would be so appreciative to know these strategies and tips on how to accomplish your dreams. If you are ready to guarantee you're going to accomplish your goals and dreams, then it's time to start coaching with me. In my nine-month simple success coaching system, I am going to walk you every single step of the way to ensure that you get the goals and dreams that you want. The first step is to apply for a free 60-minute consult call. Just go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash apply to get started. As always, my friend, remember, you're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.